3: Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJs cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJs cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So, once again, if you enjoy the PJs cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to one of the PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of my usual co-host, uh, Schmitty and Jimmy. But uh, we have a very special guest today making his second appearance on our show, Chris <laughs> Peters. What's going on, Chris?
1: Hey, guys. Uh, not much. How are you? Doing pretty good.
3: Yeah. Playoffs, are, playoffs are almost here. and uh, But uh, we're here to talk about uh, the 2021 NHL Draft. Before, but before we get into that, I have to ask you, how was... Uh, covering the uh, u18s how was it how fun was it to watch that gold medal game with uh connor bedard and uh, matt uh, Faye mitchkoff i guess it's just uh canadian <laughs> hockey players uh named connor they just they're just built different so how was how was watching that
1: yeah i mean it was uh it was an incredible experience um being there um, you know just just to be just to be in the building and to uh to to be watching great hockey and Um, that gold medal game in particular was played at such a high level that, uh, that, you know, it just, it, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, you know, we, we had a lot of great games there, including, you know, USA blowing a 5-1 lead to Russia in the first game (laughs) of the tournament, um, you know, losing 6-5 in overtime. Um, you know, the Finland had a couple of interesting comebacks, uh, you know, they, they always seem to be, you know. In, in their games and um yeah but it's it's uh it's it's it was it was an experience and just seeing the you know the the talent for this year's draft was only okay, but it was all those guys like you mentioned Vidar and Mitchkov who aren't even draft eligible for two two more okay. years um just stealing the show and Shane Wright was. You know, he, uh, to me, I thought he was Canada's best player when he was in there. And I just learned, you know, after the fact that he was playing on a broken foot. And, uh, a sport, wow. and uh, true Canadians he, right there. there. Yeah, He had strep. He had, uh, you know, they had to make sure he didn't have COVID before he could come back. So, yeah, I mean, like he was he was dealing with a lot oh, of wasn't stuff. Exactly. And uh, he finished second in the tournament in scoring despite missing two games. So, uh, yeah, pretty impressive showing from him as well.
3: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. You brought up the fact that we're focused on the 2022 draft with Shane Wright, and then the 2023 draft with Connor Bedard and Matt Faye Mitchkov. And uh, I just want to transition to the 2021 NHL draft, which it doesn't seem as fun talking about as the yeah. other drafts because there's so much like high-end talent. But this year it's completely wide open, and obviously COVID definitely helps uh, complicate things. And uh, I've been watching us uh, like like before like we asked you to come on the show. Like I knew nothing of this draft, and I've been watching like a bunch of like footage and it's kind of like that spider-man where just like you know i'm something of a amateur scout myself so um (laughs) i just want to get into uh the questions and my first question to ask to you do you think anyone in this draft has a legitimate shot at being a number one defenseman or a number one center because it just again it just seems so wide open
1: it's wide open but you know i do think that there are some some players that could eventually round out into to number one defenseman I and number one centers even really I mean I think you know you start right at the top and and the guy that I think has the best chance to be a top defenseman in the NHL is Owen Power you know 6'5 smooth skater you know just really good at moving pucks he he developed a lot over the course of the season he's going to play for Canada at the uh, world championship which is which is kind of great. And, and actually I, it's so rare that a player misses a world juniors and he probably would have made team Canada, but did not, uh, did not go to their camp because Michigan wouldn't release them for, you know, five weeks or six weeks or whatever they needed him for, which, you know, is I think in hindsight, actually the best decision for power, because he didn't, he ended up playing a full season and, and had a, had a pretty good showing. Um, but in the end, You know, you 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 get him there. And then I think Maddie Beniers is is the most likely guy in this group to be a number one center. It's not a very deep center draft, um, but I think that he's a good all-around player. He's the kind of guy that can give you uh, incredible shifts uh, on a (laughs) game-by-game basis. He can, you know, play great two-way hockey. He's got really good skating. And, um, you know, he's just – he's an all-out competitor. And so I think that, you know, his ability – to be uh, an impact player, you know, those are the two guys that, that I think could be number ones um, on their, wherever they end up. Um, I think Veneers and, and, power both have long roads to get to that point. Um, but then there's also guys with tremendous upside, like a Luke Hughes or Simon Edvinson or Brant Clark, even, you know, where they have just really incredible, um, really incredible uh, skill sets but might have a flaw here and there that just gives you a little bit of pause in terms of, is this guy actually a number one? Is he going to be a top pairing guy? Is he a top four? You know, is he a power play specialist? I mean, those are the kinds of questions. I don't think you have as many of those questions with Owen Power or Matty Beneers.
3: Um, Do you think any of them are NHL ready this year or next season, I should say.
1: That's a great question. I, I mean, I think, I think power's the closest, but I would even say that if you left him in school, I wouldn't bat an eye, but here's the thing. The precedent's been set. Once you draft a player first overall, he's on your roster. I mean, like, and if he's not, then there's all this pressure and Mm -hmm. that's not the way it should be. That's not how it's supposed to work, but that's how it works. And so if he goes first overall, I have no doubt in my mind, he will be immediately signed and we'll start in the NHL. And whether or not, I mean, we're going to learn a little bit more about him at this World Championship, where he's going to play against player, you know, NHL players. But it's not your normal World Championship. Neither Canada nor USA is sending a star-studded roster. Um, you know, Russia will have some really good players, and, and Finland will have some good players. And you know, we've we've seen teams without NHL players win that tournament. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But if he ends up playing a substantial role for Canada, I think that's a great. Uh, I think that's a great thing for him and a great opportunity for them to, uh, for for teams to assess kind of his readiness for next season. And you have to keep in mind too. Maybe you grade those guys on a curve and you say, hey, you know what, fans? He didn't have a full season last year. He didn't, you know, he, he hasn't played a game since March. And you know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna ease him in here. We're gonna let him go back to school and get a regular season and be dominant which I think is the best move because you see how a second year of school helped Quinn Hughes and helped Kale McCarr and three years. And how, I mean, Adam Fox, Adam Fox was, you know, yeah, yeah. College <laughs> and he might win the Norris this year. Like it's unbelievable. So, so I think that in general, you want to keep your, your defensemen out of the NHL longer. I think Rasmus Dahlien is a good example too of, you know, he, he was ready and he was a 40 point defenseman as an yeah. 18 year old, which, I don't think people fully appreciated how insane that is. It's really but, hard to do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not many, not many guys have done it, and and so those are those are the types of things that you think about and you say, what best serves Owen Power? And you know, I, th- I I don't think there's a single forward in this draft that I would say, yep, that guy's got to be in the NHL immediately. I think William Eklund and Beniers are probably the closest. Um, but you know, like you look at Dylan Gunther, no way, Edmonton you know, boy. Right? Yeah, they're just, they're not, you know some of those guys are are not uh, are not ready yet, and you don't want to rush them.
3: Um, Chris, just to put you on the spot, do you know anything about Swedish goaltender Arvid Soderblom because the Blackhawks just signed him?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see. <laughs> I need mean, something to jog my memory. I mean, you know, I think the interesting thing, you know, is the the here's the thing about the Blackhawks, they're their European free agent signings have largely worked out. Um, You know, they're they're They've been very good. Their European pro scouts have really done a nice job. Um, You know, just looking, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a a book on Soderblom. You know, he's not a guy basically, you know, some of those Europeans, if they don't make their national teams, it's really hard and, and they don't get drafted. I don't really track them. It's just too hard to, to continue that, but, you know, you're just looking at, at, um, yeah, so I guess I've seen him play a little bit cause he played for Schleppia this year in, in Sweden and was in the, uh, all last year. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I can't give you a, a full scouting report on him cause I haven't watched, <laughs> watched enough of them, but I think that, you know, based on the numbers, based on the fact he's only 21 years old, um, you know, those are, those are really good things. And, um, He's, you know, had, had good numbers this year for Um, uh, made, you know, he's, he's made significant jumps in terms of his career. Cause he was in the third division two years ago, second division last year and top division this year. And as you know, his numbers improved each year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that'll be interesting. I'll have to, I'd have to, uh, yeah, let's see the last time he would have played an event that I saw him at was the 2017 Holinka Gretzky cup. And I, I don't uh, I don't remember. Awesome about how him you from said
3: that. you didn't have a scouting report on him, but you, you still gave us the stats. So that's what I love <laughs> about you. You just seem to know so much. So well, well,
1: I mean, yeah. Thank <laughs> you, elite prospects, for existing, and giving me a chance and have me having my laptop open. Um, that's basically that's basically where we're at. But yeah, so. Um, but anyway, yeah. So <clears throat> I got nothing for you on him aside from the stats. Gotcha. Well, that's good
3: enough for us.
0: Oh yeah. So, um, I had a question just about the kind of the draft class as a whole because I've s- seen a couple reports saying that a lot of uh, scouting team or a lot of teams scouting <clears throat> uh, the draft class are kind of going for the safest option with their draft pick because it's so wide open and not a lot of teams played. Has anyone this season really jumped out when you've been watching film? Because I know you said that, like, um, a couple of like the defensemen, they have some strong points to their game. Like, you have a Luke Hughes who could be have that high upside or an Edmondson or something. Or there's, like, I see a little bit of an explosive winger in Gunther in a way. I was just wondering who maybe jumps out that uh, not a lot of people are given a look at or something in the top ten.
1: Yeah, I think. well, I think a guy who could – who, who's starting to get more top 10 buzz now after the under 18 worlds is Mason McTavish from just um, you know, thinking was, about him. Yeah. Normally he plays for the Peterborough Peets, but this year he went to Switzerland. He was actually born in Switzerland. Um, but he had to wait until he turned 18 before he could play there. And uh, cause that's just the, the international, the, the rules for that particular league and, and country is that you have to be, if you're, if you're not, if you don't hold a sweet, a Swiss pass, passport, you can't play until you're, um, 18. So he had to wait. He did. And, and then I watched his pro games and I was like, wow, he is really strong. He's really, um, you know, he, he's, he was playing in the second division. So, you know, the quality of hockey was, was fair, but he was playing against men. Um, and, and he looks like a pro and he looks like a guy that can drive a line. And then you get to the world under 18s and he's dominant in both ends of the ice. He's physical, he's mean, he's got, uh, he dominated the faceoff circle. He was, um, you know, uh, one of their top scorers. He he was driving Connor Bedard's line, and really before Bedard took off, which wasn't really till the medal round when he really started going off. He, uh, you know, those it, it was McTavish that was carrying that line, and you know he was a guy that his name just continually popped up and popped up from scouts that I'm talking to. You know, the best thing about being in Texas is you're just around hockey people, and who else are they going to talk to but other hockey people? So you just like <laughs> You know, so you're just having casual conversations. They're like, geez, this Mason McTavish kid is, is really popping off. And, and, and you know, it's funny because I've had a, a junior hockey scout who said, I'm, he's like, I'm telling you, man, people are sleeping on Mason McTavish coming into the season. I think, he's, I think he's a guy that should be, you know, top top 15 pick for sure. And that was earlier. Now I think there are more people are saying, hey, maybe he should be a top 10 pick. Um, he has good numbers and uh, he's got, you know, he, he's, he's got the physical profile of, of a guy that can be, can play kind of anywhere in your lineup. And I think he's not necessarily, you know, I, his skating needs to improve some. I think it looked better at the worlds. I think that if he can get that to another level um, and that's another thing about this draft class is if there's one big flaw for so many of the players, it's their speed, their foot speed. And, and that's, you know, you look there, some, some of the Swedish guys are super quick. Um, you know, some of the American guys have some quickness, the Canadians like Gunther, you know, he's, he's, he's quicker than like a McTavish. Um, but there's not a lot of explosive skaters in this draft, not a lot of guys that really have burst. And, um, and so, you know, when you look at that and you say, Hey, what are some of the other tools? You know, I think Mason McTavish is a guy who has the hockey sense, the, the, the grit, the, the skill and the strength to really be an, an impact guy that's might slip a little further than, than maybe, some other players. Yeah. Sorry.
0: I was just going to say you, you made a point right on the nose with size. Like, I feel like that's one thing, not a lot of people bring into account. If he has the ability to drive his own line and be able to play up and down your line or your lineup and lines one through four, that, that brings so much more diversity to a pick than if you have a guy who's going to have to be a top six scoring winger or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You want versatility in your players and, um, you know, certainly you want to draft stars, but if you have a guy that you can pick that's outside of that star caliber round or, or tier or whatever you want to say, then, you know, you have, you, you at that point, you're looking for NHL players. He's an NHL player. Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
2: So Chris, um, kind of going on with the, uh, conversation of players who are a bit more slept on. Um, and I know that this draft is obviously, um, just kind of, like we've said, just kind of out of whack in terms of order and uh, being able to really uh, determine where players might generally be. Um, but if you're looking at just the general top 60, who do you think is the most slept on player in those first two rounds? Like, who do you think we could see going in, like, the second round that can end up being a very impactful player? Just, you know, off the top of your head. Um, again, I know it's very you know hard to really pinpoint some of these guys with the kind of uh, season it's been.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the hard the hard part is is that there's really no consensus on what you know, especially after I think you know there there's a pretty good feel for who the top ten, fifteen prospects are in this draft, and then it's a wide range after that. It's, it's a really <laughs> wide range. It goes you know it goes all over the place, and you're not going to see a lot of consistency in draft boards because you know everybody's handling this season differently. Um, you know, I think that for for players that that might be slept on, um, man, it's, it's tough to say. I think maybe Isaac Rosen is one who, you know, I've heard could slip into the second round for me. He's a first round talent. I think after the world under 18s, there's no way he slips anymore. Um, he was so explosive and just a transitional weapon. Um, you know, I think Prohor poltapov who played for Russia, is another That's guy. Man, yeah, he's yeah he's got <laughs> yeah it is he's got a really incredible skill set, but he also has a work ethic, and he's not the biggest guy, but he's he's got good strength. He's got a good lower body. He has drive. Um, he didn't have as many points as some of the top Russian players in this tournament, which is why you know I think he could slip into the second round. Um, not just because of his tournament play, but overall. And he, you know, but he's grown over the last year. You know, he's a guy on video where you don't really notice how much, how much he's gotten, like, bigger and stronger from where he started the season at. And that's really difficult to do in season. Um, so obviously there's been some natural growth, just growing as, a, as an individual does uh, in their teenage years, and then also just getting stronger. And he's got such a competitive drive to him. That, you know, I I really I really like what what he can bring um, in terms of, you know, might might slip into the second round, but give you first round value with his skill set. I mean, he had some he had some of the best goals in the in the world under 18s with his skill set. So when you have a guy that has a mix of skill and and tenacity like he does, then, you know, I, I got a lot of time for you.
2: Yeah, we've been saying uh, a bit in the podcast, um, just kind of as time has gone on, like second round picks this year are, uh, in our opinion at least, like probably more valuable than they have been in a long, long time because you never know what kind of talent you're going to get. Maybe, you know, like just slips a little bit lower than usual. You can be going and getting first round talent in the second round. And yeah, maybe not um as valuable as other years in terms of uh, how skilled like these players be. Can- Yes, yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> we know teams uh, you know, hate short players still
1: somehow. Yeah. yeah.
2: But uh yeah, no, it's uh really interesting. I I I really and I think I speak for really all of us. It's just so fascinating. Like this is a draft that I I, I don't know about you, Chris. Obviously you've covered this longer than I have and uh just a tiny bit better than I have. Um but I uh, <laughs> like this is a like this is kind of unheard of if you think about it. Like what, what kind of, have we ever had anything like this? Cause I, I can't imagine there's been any kind of draft that was anything close to this unsure.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, yes and no, because I mean, really what it comes down to is pretty much anything after like the 25th pick is a crapshoot. Like really, I mean, just in terms of, of, of value, but this year it's even more so because you're dealing with a different set of standards of how you scout it you're also dealing with a different set of standards of what a season progression looks like and, and what a player, the benchmarks that you would normally have for a player in a given season are not there for some. And for others, there's no games at all. Um, and so, you, you know, how much value do you put on U17 production or, or draft minus one production, as we would call it, like where it's the year yeah. before the draft year? And how much do you, pu- how much stock do you put into that? How much more growth did a player, you know, especially if, say it's an OHL player that hasn't played any games this year. You know, what do you what do you have to go off of? And so that creates yeah. challenges. But teams that have done their <clears throat> homework, we've seen players that have had, you know, I think like Brandon Saad is a tremendous example of a guy who, who really popped the year before his draft. And then injuries and other things slowed him down. And and you and then he fell into the second round and was based on his career, a first round talent, as as everyone thought he was coming into that draft season. So it can go both ways. The other thing a lot of scouts have compared this year to is, is like you're basically just looking at a lot of players who were injured all year because that's happened in previous drafts. Morgan Riley barely played in his draft season.
0: That was what I was just yeah. thinking of Morgan so, Riley he only yeah, played like so ten boy, games.
1: Yeah. So yeah. he really played in his draft season and still was a top, you know, a top pick. In that draft. And so you have a good book on a player like that and you're able to to make those decisions. You have a world under 18 championship now that gives you a data point for some of those players that didn't play. You've got, um, you know, but you look at then there are other leagues like the USHL, the SHL, the KHL, the MHL, like all these different leagues that had significant seasons or seasons of 50 or more games. Um, and so you, you still have that, too. But where the differences come in is some some scouting staffs are not going to scout off of video well. It's a completely different set of skills, scouting off of video than scouting live. It, it is not an easy transition for for individuals that have scouted off of exclusively live viewings. Most teams now don't just do that. They do live and video and have been doing that for some years now. But still, you know, and, and so the thing what I'll say is about the second round draft picks is, We don't know what the value is going to be. We don't know if it's going to be better or worse based on we don't know really what the entire class really is because we didn't have a normal season with normal benchmarks and things like that. Um, But as you as you noted and are correct in, in saying is that it allows for other players to slip through the cracks that probably wouldn't have in a normal season. Um, and, and the the possibility at least remains that that's that, 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 that can happen and that these, these teams have to, you know, get lucky essentially. But I mean, but that happens in every single year where a guy just slips through the cracks and and everyone will say, we knew, we knew all, we knew all along. They didn't, they didn't. didn't. If he's on your team, Uh, say that right. Yeah, exactly. And there are, there are plenty of other teams that said, wow, how did we miss on that guy? Well, this, this, and this. And it's Mm -hmm. true. I mean, it's just, and then that, but you know, those, the team that drafted them was saying the same things, but they're like, Hey, but we have this pick or, you know, we value this, this one quality. And yeah, so, I mean, you're really, you're hoping that your scouting staff, your analytics staff and, and everybody is in, is on the same page for what you're looking for. And then that'll help you kind of make your decisions as you go forward.
3: Reminds me of when Arizona said they had a Victor Soderstrom third on their list. I think it was in
1: 2019. Yeah. Not great, Bob. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he's going to be a good player. He's not, not third gonna be best. Than, no. He's going to be better than several of the players that were drafted after him. So, yeah. And certainly not third.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: So, Chris, on your top 45 list, which, by the way, you should totally subscribe to A uh, Hockey Sense with uh, Chris Peters, you have uh, Nikita Chabrikov, and uh, the Blackhawks are most likely going to be picking at 11. So what does Nikita Chabrikov um, bring, and like, what could he offer to the Blackhawks as a player?
1: Well, he is going to drop on my next list um, based on a couple of factors, more just because some guys, you know, I think I think if the Blackhawks – are, are there and, and Mason McTavish is still there, he'd probably be the guy, but we already talked about him. But, but as far as Chiberkov goes, um, he is a skilled player. I mean, you know, I think he, he, he fits a mold that the Blackhawks typically like. He's got speed. He's got skill. He's got, you know, he's got a bit of a mean streak to him. He's, he doesn't shy away from the physicality. However, as we saw in the game against Canada, they were able to knock him off his game they were able to get physical on him frustrate him take him kind of make him almost a non-factor in that game and that's where that's where i start to get concerned because he hadn't gotten pushed like that before but if you watch the game against the u.s if you watch other games games against finland he makes tons of plays he's a highly skilled player he's great in transition he moves through the neutral zone well um you know i think that he'll he's not going to slip far He's going to probably slip on my next board just because some guys are going to move ahead of him that I had a little bit, a little bit behind him, um, including McTavish, and you know, so I think that that's you know, for the Blackhawks, they're going to have a multitude of options, and you know, saying assuming they don't win the lottery, you know, and, and if they win the lottery, then you're in you're in great shape because you know if you say, you know, hey, we got the second or third or fourth pick, or second or third pick. Whatever um, you know, we got the new lottery rules, but only half of them going into effect this year. Um, <laughs> you know, they they uh, you know they they have an opportunity to to get somebody that makes a huge impact on their organization. When picking at eleven, it's less likely um, to to land somebody. But if you go like a, I think a Chibrikov is like a swing for the fences kind of pick, whereas a McTavish is maybe a playing it safe, but also you know if Kirby Doc is your center of the future you know, Mason McTavish would be a pretty good number two in that situation. Um, You know, so that's the other thing is, I think if you, if you, if it comes down to between a center and a wing, you take the center. Um, I do still think they need more of a dynamic element. I'm really excited about Lucas Reichel who they dropped last year. Um, Highly skilled. He played some center in Germany this year. Uh, So, you know, there's, you know, he played wing most of his draft season, but can play center too. So, you know you're starting to you're starting to build up the prospect system again, and you have a chance to add a pretty big piece with that pick, regardless of who it is. But yeah, that's I think you know in that in that range you're you're going to have some good options.
3: Like all the Mason McTavish love, I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I had a question just about uh Jesper
0: Walstead because um, sure. it seems like every year we have a new goalie. That's oh, this is this goalie is the best goalie since so and so. It's the best since Vasilevsky. I'm just curious as to how Wallace compares to j- just the last two goalies that have come in the first round in Askarov and Spencer Knight because um it seems like they all have very different play styles and how they play in the net but um in terms of um how do you think how, how do you think he would stack up to those other two prospects that went in the first round the last few years Yeah
1: well I think you know it's it's kind of amazing cuz Knight has really taken off even further from his draft year Askarov did not have a great post second season after his draft I still think both of them are way ahead of Jesper Wallstedt and Jesper Wallstedt would not be as high on my board if I thought this was a stronger class um, but yeah well, I, think, sure. I, I think there are two goaltenders in this draft that'll go in the first round and deservedly so and now I'm starting to debate is Sebastian Casa the number one and Wallstead the number two there's a, a lot of very There's a lot of varying factors in here, so we'll get into it because I think it's it's it, it's something that I'm still working through myself. So I'm gonna work work through it verbally with you guys, and we'll see if this actually comes to pass on on my on my final draft board. But, but you know, said, I had I had him at 12th on my on my spring board, um, which still feels too high to me. Um, but, and, and I think he's another guy that's going to slip as some of the guys that I have listed behind him will move up. Um, but that said, he is, he is very technically sound. He's done things that are unprecedented for a player his age in the Swedish league. Um, you know, and you have to read into that a little bit, You, you know, you also have to think about the fact, okay, some of that's situational, some of that's you know, some, some other goalies that have come up have not had the, the opportunities that he did in Lulia uh, to, to be uh, to be a, a starter um, but you know he played quite a few games did not end up being their their primary postseason goalie um, so you know that's that's one thing I think some, I watched a ton of, ton of film on him from this year I think that you know some at some times you know he's just so technically sound he's gifted he's got great pre-shot reads. I think he lack, lacks some of the quickness and explosiveness that Casa has, but he's much more controlled. Casa um, is a much more quick, athletic, and bigger goalie uh, who had ridiculous numbers in the WHL this season. On
3: Edmonton, by the way,
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> for, the, for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and 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 really, you know, that's the question. And now I, I wonder, you know, but I, I still think that Askarov and Knight are far ahead of both of them. Um, I do think both of them have number one potential, Wallstead and Casa, um, and that's why I have them as first-round draft picks. I wouldn't put them there if I thought that they were going to be career backups. Um, you know, so I think that it, it's really hard to project goalies. I think both of them you know, are, are, are going to be pretty high picks. I think one, at least one of them goes in the lottery range. Um, so you know, I, I think it's, it's, just, it's tough to say, but I, I think if you're, if you're a team that has a need at the position um, that's one of those where you look best player available or, you know, do we get this goaltender because it's been, even though that we we've seen them in the last two drafts, first round goalies in the last two drafts, we haven't necessarily, you know, it, I don't think we, we necessarily will make a habit of that unless the the quality is as high as it is. But I think with Walstead and cost of the quality warrants, the first round pick and, and I think you know some teams may end up even reaching a little bit for them as a result of of having a need at the position and wanting to to kind of get their goalies of the future because either of them could be that for an organization.
3: So, so can you give us a sneak peek of your new draft rankings? or are there a couple? Can you list like a couple oh, players that might be moving up?
1: There's 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 still a long way to go before mm. I actually <laughs> do it, but I'm. I'm shift, you know, I'm shifting him around. I mean, I think that Mason McTavish who I had at 16, mm-hmm. is certainly going, you know, we've talked about him a lot. He's certainly going up. I think better Svechkov um, who I had at 18 is, is going to be moving up into the top 15 as well. A uh, really good two way center with skill. I mean, very similar in terms of, you know, he doesn't have the mean streak of, of a Mason McTavish, but he's more skilled, you know? So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I just love the way that he played. The thing about Svechkov though that changes his draft projection slightly is he he just got acquired by Saint Petersburg, which means you know he's going to probably be under contract for multiple years and and you know you might not get him for a while, so that changes the the, the situation for him. Casa is a guy that's going to probably be moving up my board. He was at twenty on the last one. Isaac Rosen, same thing. So those are guys that I I foresee moving up, but it all kind of depends on you know you weigh. Some of the things that I'll be doing just after the U18s is going back and seeing, you know, what did I see at the U18s that I didn't see on video before the tournament? What are the things that I think are true about this player and what are the things that I think I just have some recency bias for? So it kind of requires – the thing about getting the live viewings, you get them and now that I have the video capabilities of like having Instat and being able to pull up shifts for a player, now I can go back and say, okay – Well, what are where are there elements of what I saw against his own age group that he could could do against professionals or a U-20 rankings or or against college players like all those different things? Those are the things that I'm going to be going back to look at. But those names that I listed are guys that are very likely to be to be moving up. I also think Sean Barron's from the U.S. is I had him a little too low on my last one and he'll move
3: up as well. All right, uh, Schmitty or uh, Jimmy, do you guys have any other questions to ask? Um, I just had one.
0: I don't know if this even matters, but, um, I just, I was looking at like a lot of the projections for the top 10 and it seems like four out of the 10 are either committed or currently playing at the university of Michigan. I yeah. was just wondering if maybe that has an impact and like, cause I know we had, uh, was it two years ago when Jack Hughes's class where everyone was yeah. on that us development team. So no one really knew like who was driving, which line and whatnot, or if everyone was as good as they
3: were, I was just wondering the if that Chicago steel team.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. I was yep, just wondering sure. if I was just wondering if maybe that has an impact on where some guys might rank, or um, you think uh, maybe that helps them move up or down in the rankings? I was just wondering your thoughts on that.
1: Well, you know, I think the thing about Michigan is, is they had all these great prospects, but they were such a young team, and and so in college hockey, to be a young team is not necessarily a good thing. Um, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't really lend itself to competitiveness, and they happen to be in the Big Ten, which was a which is a very competitive conference. Um, and so I think that, you know, it wasn't just, you know, the guys for this draft, you know, and Luke Hughes is also committed there, but didn't play there this year. Um, Mackie Samuskevich, another potential first round pick is a guy that was committed there. Didn't play there. He played for Chicago steel. Um, but you know, Bennears, Kent Johnson and Owen power all did play there this year. And then there was also Thomas Bortolo, who was an early second round pick of San Jose last year. Brendan Brisson, who was a first round pick of of Vegas, Cam York, who was a first round pick of Philly two years ago. You know, so they had uh, Johnny Beecher, another first round pick. So like they all they're it's a superstar team. But in college hockey, that is negated by the experience of the other teams. So really, in terms of numbers, none of them really blew it out of the water in terms of of scoring. I think, you know, Beniers had about a point per game. Johnson was about a point per game, really, really solid in power, you know, had had average production for a freshman defenseman, but he was also one of the youngest players in college hockey last year. So, you know, I think that those are those are all factors. And I don't think that the team was so such so superstar laden that it it positively um, impacted those guys so much. I think the thing that was really impressive was how big of a role each of them took within a team that was as talented as it was. Because Beneers essentially became their number two center behind Bordalo, and got all the tough matchups, and got a lot of, you know, was on their PK and things like that. Power was an instant top pairing defenseman, you know, or or top four defenseman playing significant minutes throughout the season. So you look at that as opposed to you know the numbers and anything else, you say how did they fare? And and really all all three of those guys did an incredible job within the group that they were in, and the fact that they took charge the way that they did. Um, only solidifies my belief that they're all, you know, going to be extreme talents um, in in going forward, and, and it's just a, a funny coincidence that they all arrived at Michigan at the same time. Beniers actually was supposed to go to Harvard, but uh, they their their season was when their season was in peril. He made the very smart decision to you know ask out of that commitment and immediately commit to Michigan. He could have gone anywhere, but he chose Michigan, um, and and that was ultimately the right decision because Harvard did not play last year. Yeah, good on him because
0: now you're potentially the
1: number two pick. So yeah, I mean he might even be number one. You know, like mm. their teams. What if he goes to the World Championships and lights it up? Like you know, like, oh, yeah, because he's well, going to play USA. for Team USA. Yeah. That. So you know, and, and I and I mean, because there's there's been that debate had. You know, if you go back to the 2006 draft and you look oh, at
3: I know where you this go, is going.
1: Eric Johnson versus Jonathan Taves, who would you rather <laughs> have long-term? I think I know what 10 out of 10 scouts would say. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I mean, in hindsight, it's 2020, of course, because Eric Johnson was an absolute freak. And let's not forget, he busted his knee getting out of a golf cart. And, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, that really set him back in his, in his yeah. development and everything else. But, you know. I think I think the thing is, is if it's close between a forward and a defenseman, you take the forward. But I, I do think that you know there's more projectable skills and more upside to power, which is why I think he has the edge on number one right now.
3: Uh, Jimmy, do you have anything else to ask? Ah, uh, no, I can't think of anything.
2: Uh, Chris, I just want to say thank you for these very like unbelievably detailed answers. It it's great, man. It's great to listen yeah, to well. you talk. Oh yeah, definitely.
3: That's yeah, always my a pleasure. Player. It's always a pleasure to have Chris on because uh, he's just so smart. So he can just talk the whole time instead of hearing our dumb voices. So I love it. Oh, no, 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 so, yeah,
1: taking over the podcast. About. <laughs> no,
3: I love it. Yeah. Um, so this is our scouting report on you. Know. What amazes me. Sorry, this is our, our scouting report on you, Chris. What amazes right. me is how much he's able to draw from. He's like a computer. That's from our text.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was,
1: oh. I texted
2: in a little group chat and I'm like, this man holds more information in his pinky than the Pentagon. It feels.
1: <laughs> <like>. <laughs> the problem, see, the problem is though that that is only true of hockey. Like, if you ask me about other stuff, I, I'll know some things. I got some pop culture, you know. I got a few things. I got a little trivia, you know. Okay. I, I can, I can, I can handle that. But, but if it's like, if it's hockey related, it just does not leave my brain. So, um, I, I, hey, it's, it's a, it's a uh, love, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what happens when you like something, I guess, but yeah, yeah. but it's just funny, but thank you. Those are very kind words. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. And, and I, 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 I will try to continue learning so that I can live up to uh, such a lofty praise. Uh, <laughs> <a lofty laughs> I, I like my upside as well. So <laughs> we'll
3: <laughs> Well, Chris, to bring up the fact uh trivial stuff and pop culture stuff, so before we let you go, we're going to do a couple of lightning round questions. Uh, first question, what is uh, your favorite movie of all time?
1: Oh, uh, favorite movie of all time is probably Goodfellas. Or well, well, Town. I'm going to say good yeah, like Goodfellas. Again, <laughs> yeah, Goodfellas.
3: Yeah. Uh, favorite TV show of all time?
1: The uh, The tie. I, I I I go between the office and Parks and Rec all the time.
3: Not a bad but choice. Not a bad choice. They're, they're the
1: show. They're the shows that make me happiest. So those Aww. are my two. Yeah. yeah go,
3: what are your favorite? What's uh, your favorite, for favorite band slash uh, album? My
1: favorite band. My favorite band is Alkaline Trio, Chicago. Um, I that's since I was like a sophomore in high school. I just. Love that band and, and so I'll always appreciate the album that that I that it exposed me to then, which is From Here to Infirmary, which is uh you know, I was just like this band is yeah, I was an emo kid and this band was uh <laughs> totally uh speaking to my sad soul
0: uh
1: <laughs> and Dark Soul at the time. So I still I still listen to it often. Um but yeah, but Alkaline Trio is my favorite band and that's my probably my favorite album, probably the most listened to album. You saying I'm so emo was just. We need need in
3: his bio
1: like former, (laughs) former emo kid, (laughs) former former shitty garage band player. Oh man, this is
2: amazing, man!
1: A drummer that that couldn't keep time. So.
2: Oh, that's amazing.
3: That should be the podcast name: Emo Kid Chris (laughs) Peter. All right, Chris. Yeah. This is the last and most important question. Your reputation is on this. Does pineapple belong <laughs> on pizza? or No. God no. no. <laughs> oh! Yes. Love it, Go! love, it,
1: love it. Come on. <laughs> reputation is
3: in in intact. I mean, it's intact. Like, I
1: didn't even know that people did that, and then I, then I then I left Chicago and I found out that people were doing that, and I was like, you poor soul. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is uh, it's very you troubling. troubling. Very troubling. Get spoiled. <laughs> it's not even. Your- just- it's uh, yeah. a so
2: weird me, relationship you know being from Canada. Emo?
1: You know what makes me most oh. emo? Pineapple on, on
3: pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, like Jimmy yeah. said, I'm a gross, uh, stinking Canadian from Edmonton, Alberta. So yeah. <laughs> didn't you guys? Didn't you guys make pineapple on pizza? Yeah, we did. We. That's yeah, so why we don't like you. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> that
1: was invented in. That was invented in Edmonton.
3: No, it was in Canada, but uh, still. Oh it's in the east. The east is different. The eastern Canada I can understand, but you cannot. Uh, I will take no Western Canadian slander. At all. No, yeah. Oh Yeah. No, uh, I've eaten, I've
1: eaten at a lot of Boston pizzas in my day, so I, uh, you That's know, sad. I don't. I don't think I ever saw the. the I, well, I would have never. I would have never even no, looked at pizza menu at Boston Pizza anyway. So. It's yeah. amazing
2: how like Canada has like. They, they're so damn good at hockey. Like they are by far like the best hockey country in the entire world. They have a healthcare system that has been completely figured out, and they can't make a fucking pizza. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, can't... at least they have their priorities
0: straight.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: So... <laughs> like America's I'm Chicago. Greatest, but I'm, I'm, I feel like, feel like
1: this good is good
2: like pizza. Pizza. this is up there.
3: This is pizza, yeah. man. That's the true. Thing that's is, a that's the point. most. Amer- that's the most American thing. At least we know how to make a fucking pizza. <laughs> <That> <laughs> is... no, but, but all love, all love to uh, America. Though uh, they've they, they, they like hey, if we're if we're talking they... from a hockey standpoint, they've been like they've done such a good job in the last ten years and so. And... And Bob, America, you're a real one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. All right, Chris, it was a pleasure having you on, hearing your insight. Like I said, again, it's it's awesome to get someone to talk the whole podcast instead of our goofy voices. So, again, a pleasure having you on, and uh, hopefully we can talk sometime uh, down in the future.
1: All right, yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for
3: coming on. Yeah, my band right. could
2: use a drummer, by the way. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm retired. Yeah, I'm retired. Keep me on speed dial, please. All right, you got it. You got it. I'm ready. To, I'll come out of retirement for you. <laughs>
3: It's like the undertaking of Chris has intro. Oh man. Uh thank
2: yeah. you, Chris.